Happy New Year, one family! Amen. What a great way to bring the new year in together. Thank, thanks be to God for this time. I'm always thankful to be back with you guys. I feel like family with you. Um, thank you for including us in that one family. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open with me, and we'll have this up on the screen as well, to the book of Jude. That is, if you're wondering, where is Jude? It's all the way in the back, right before you get to Revelation. Right? Revelation is the last one. And Jude is right before that. And it's just one chapter, so it's easy to miss. Right? So Jude, how many of y'all ever heard a sermon from Jude before? I, you know, honestly, I had never preached one from Jude before last year. And so or, uh, now I could say two years ago because it's a new year now. But what I want to preach on is just uh, Jude 24 and 25, the very ending, on the theme, the God who is able. The God who is able. Amen. That'll preach just by itself, right? You know, one of the things uh, that we do in our church is at the end of the service, the pastor will say a benediction. And sometimes they'll say the one from Numbers. Maybe you heard that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May cause his face to shine upon you. There's another one that I like in Revelation chapter 1. It says, now unto him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And there's another in Ephesians 3. It says, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we might ask or imagine. Right? Well, you know that one. That's where the song comes from. But this one that, we're preach that I'm preaching on today, this is my favorite. And it, it says, now unto him who is able to keep you. And, and I'm going to do it in the translation. I memorized it in first. But now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority. I just like to say that. I just like saying it. But I have the privilege today of preaching about that theme on the God who is able that it talks about from this benediction. Now, just to, before I read the text, I want to get us up to speed on Jude a little bit. If you put up that verse from Jude 3, um, this tells you a little bit about um, what, why he wrote this. What was the purpose? This is the Lord's brother, actually, Jude, who writes this. He says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, there's a situation going on. He says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. That was once for all delivered to the saints. So this idea of contending for the faith, that's what this whole letter is about. And why does he feel the need to teach him that? And you can put up that next verse, verse 4. It says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God in a sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And so he writes this to contend for the faith because of what's going on. People are, are pulling others away from following Jesus. And so here I'm going to read from uh, verse 20 through 25 and then pray. But he sets the context. These are his words to the people of God to encourage them. Verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves, verse 21 says, in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. 
save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And then here we come to the benediction in 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you for what your word says about itself, that it's living and active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. And Lord, we're grateful for that because what that means is you're able to get beneath the surface with us. You're able to get to our minds and our thoughts, our attitudes, even our very hearts. We pray that you might operate on us with your gracious surgery here this morning. Lord, Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here and, and at the Shaw campus and all the places we're gathered online to watch. We pray that you'd continue to have your way in this place. We're continuing to worship now through the preaching of the word. And so we pray you'd help us understand these words, but not just that. Help us to live in light of the fact that we get to serve the God who is able. We thank you for all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. One of my favorite Bible stories is that story in Daniel chapter 3. You might have heard that with Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego who've been taken captive into Babylon. And they're worshiping God. They're they're standing for God amidst a a whole lot of people that are not. And their king is kind of crazy and he passes a law. He, He builds a statue to himself. And you remember the story. He says that Whenever the sound is, is, is sounded, I want everybody to bow down and worship this statue. But if you don't, you're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. Well, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, of course, they, they praise and worship God, the God who's able. And so they don't bow down to some statue. But other people that don't like them tell on them, and, and then they go and, and have them brought before the king. And the king says to them, listen, guys, I'm going to give you one chance now. If, if the sound is sounded and you bow down and worship me, all right, that's very good. Bow down and worship this statue. But if you don't, you will be thrown into the fiery furnace. And then he asks a terrible question. He says, and who is able to deliver you from my hand? Mm. He's a, it's over right there. But then the guys say, oh, king, we're not even going to argue with you. Because we know that the God we serve is able to save us from the fiery furnace, and he will. And then they said, but even if he doesn't, he's that good that even if he doesn't, he's able to save us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship you. And so they throw him into the furnace. Some of you put up, do you have those pictures that I sent? There's that first one. Some of y'all remember this story. You can put up that second picture. This is where I taught my kids about, you remember, some of y'all remember Veggie Tales, Rack Shack and Benny. And they saw that story. And of course, the guys are saved by God, right? God sends someone, this angelic figure, to go with them in the fire and protect them. And they come out. And it's amazing. They're saved by God. They find out. Everybody gets to see that their God is able. Now, think about the courage. 
that it took to say that. On the one hand, we could say, man, their faith had got them out of the furnace. But you could also say their faith is what got them in the furnace in the first place. Right? How is it that they were able to face this life-threatening danger with this confidence and courage? It's because they serve the God who is able. Now, this is the first day of 2023. And I don't know what 2022 was like for you. Maybe for some of you, you're like, man, this, that was an awesome year. I'm excited to see what God is going to do in the next year. I'm so glad and so excited for what he did last year. But I recognize that maybe some of you at home, maybe at Shaw, maybe in this room, 2022 was a hard year. It was a struggling year. You're grieving. And the first day of 2023, some of the things that happened in 2022. And so however we come today, whether we come excited for what God is going to do in 2023 or whether we come struggling today, whether we come grieving, whether we come hurting, how are we going to make it? The answer is the same however you come. The answer is the same as what those guys found. Our hope is in the God who is able. And so what we're going to see today is just two points, right? Just two that this benediction shows us and how it is that we're going to walk with the God who is able. There's two things today. The first is that we trust the God who is able. We trust in the God who is able. Now, why should we trust in the God who is able? He tells you in verse 24, if you put that up again. Now to him who is able, and what does it say? To keep you from stumbling. So one of the reasons that we trust in him is that God is able to keep us in the present. He's able to keep us from stumbling in the present. Now you remember what they were writing about back in three? He says, I want you to contend for the faith. Because you've got all these people that are trying to turn you away from following Jesus. So how are you going to make it? If you heard in that verse 21, he said to them, keep yourselves, right, in the love of God. Keep is an important word throughout this chapter. He said, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. But let me ask you, what happens when you're not able to keep yourself? What happens when everybody else is looking to you? Some of y'all, y'all know what this feels like, right? You're the people. That's why y'all are here at nine in the morning on New Year's Day, praising God. Y'all are the people that everybody looks to when they get in trouble, when they need help, when they need somebody to keep them. They come to you. They call on you to pray for them. They call on you to sit with them. They call on you to counsel them. They, they need you and God uses you. Praise be to God to help keep those people. But what happens when you can't keep yourself? When you're at a place when you don't have any more wisdom to give. You don't feel like you have any more love to share. You don't have any counsel to give. You need it. What happens if everybody's looking to you and you can't keep yourself? Well, the good news is that we have somebody who's able to keep us in the present. That's what this whole letter says. If you go back to verse 1, the letter starts off and how it describes God's people in verse 1. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And then back to our verse, verse 24, 
See, he begins and ends with the fact that God keeps you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you in the present. Now we moved here from, from Baltimore about nine years ago. Any Ravens fans in the house? Any? That's all right. Don't worry about it. Just me and my son. That's all. But we moved here. We moved here from Baltimore about 10 years ago. And so we, my kids were born and they grew up in, uh, in inner city Baltimore where we were living and ministering. And we lived in row houses. Um, and amen. Shout out to row houses. And so in a row house, it was really interesting because you don't have a front yard. Right. You have you walk out the front door and you have your steps, your stoop. Right. And then you have the sidewalk and then the street. So it's very important when your kids are little that you have to teach them about crossing the street. You got to be very careful about that. And so you always are holding their hands when they're crossing the street. Right. But the way you hold it, it's not like this. Instead, you hold it like that. Why is that? Because lots of times the kids, they'll let go. And they'll be like, oh, a bird. Let me follow that. Or they'll be like, I don't want to follow you right now. I want to go my own way. And they will let you go. But guess what? You've still got a hold of them. Even when they're not keeping themselves, you're still keeping them. And that is a picture of what God does with us. Even when we want to let go and say, oh, a bird. Oh, I want to live life myself, God. I think I can do things wiser my own way. I want to go this way, God. God is still holding on to you. He's able to keep you in the present. And so we trust in him because of that. But not only that, not only do we trust in him because he's able to keep us in the present, but also because he's able to present us in the future. He's able to present us in the future. That's in the second part of the verse 24 there. It says to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now, let's break that down a little bit to present you. And that's Old Testament language he's using there. If you go back in the Old Testament and you look at the priests as they would come to offer sacrifices in the temple, they would come and present them. Right before God. And they couldn't just present anything, right? They had to be unblemished. They had to be blameless sacrifices that they were presenting before a holy God. And God set that up to teach us. On the one hand, God is holy. And on the other hand, we need to walk holy. But look at what it says. He's able to present you blameless. Now you think that sounds good, but how in the world is he going to do that? Because I think about myself and I'm like, I know myself. I know what I've done. I know what I thought about doing. How in the world is he going to present me blameless? I knew what went in through my mind this morning before I got to church. How in the world is it possible that he can present me blameless as wonderful as that sounds? Maybe somebody is wondering that same thing. In the Old Testament, there's a passage with Isaiah when he comes into the temple And he sees this glorious vision of God. And these heavenly creatures are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it was an amazing scene. But then all of a sudden, Isaiah's like, "Uh uh-oh. Woe unto me, he says. He says, I am ruined. I am undone. Why? 
Because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and I have seen the king. He's saying, I'm not blameless. And so what am I going to do? There's nothing he could do but God. But God provided a sacrifice from the altar. And he says, see, this has touched your tongue. Your sin is atoned for. It's been taken away. And so then when God says, who will I send? Isaiah's like, send me. He doesn't even know where he's going yet. But he's so grateful that a holy God has made him blameless that he'll go wherever God wants him to go. And what he's saying here is that God will present us blameless. Can you put up that first Peter verse? Verse 18, knowing, it says, that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but what? He tells you in verse 19. But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. That's how he's able to present us blameless through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe there's somebody in this room. Maybe you're in the room at Shaw. Maybe you're watching online and you've not put your faith in Jesus. This is telling you what Jesus does is he wipes all of that away. It's all atoned for. Everything you've done, everything you've thought about doing. And he makes you blameless if you will come to him and put your faith in him. I invite you to come up and join after with the people who are praying up front and tell them about that need, about Jesus. But let me go on. It says here that he presents us there in verse 25 again. Or excuse me, let's go back to verse 24. Sorry about that. It says he's able to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. How? With great joy. Now, whose joy is that talking about? Is he talking about our joy at being presented blameless? Or is it talking about God's joy in presenting us blameless? Which one's it talking about? I don't probably both. Amazingly both. On the one hand, there is great joy, right? In being able to be presented blameless before God. But can you imagine with me for a moment being presented by God to himself, not reluctantly, not with the arm twisted behind his back, not stoically. But can you imagine right now God presenting you to himself? This is my daughter. This is my son. Oh, and I'm so glad. To be able to present them to myself today. I'm joyful. I'm rejoicing. I'm happy because I love them. Can you imagine? Before the presence of God. That's how he presents you. In Jesus Christ. Blameless. And he presents you with great joy. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that today? Do you believe that? That's what he does that's why we trust in the God who is able because he's able to keep us in the present but also because he's able to present us in the future now let's go to the other point not only do we trust in the God who's able but the other thing is we need to praise the God who is able and we got to do that a little bit already we'll do it after I'm done we can do it while I'm still going praise the God who is able why 
Well, the first thing, and, and this is an old church saying we, we had growing up, is that he's God all by himself. He's God all by himself. And you wonder, where did the church people get that saying from? The Bible, verse 25. Look at what he says. To the only God, you see that? The only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's the only God. He's God all by himself. Back in that day, if, if you were a Jewish person, you would recite twice a day what they call the Shema from, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, where you would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. He's one. Now, mindful, they're in the midst of a polytheistic culture where they're, they're worshiping all kinds of gods. Right? During the holiday week, didn't you binge watch all these different shows that came on while you were on vacation? I saw Clash of the Titans, Wrath of the Titans, Rem Remember the Titans, all the Titans in there. But what are those first couple things about? Right? They're about the gods and Clash of the Titans and Wrath of the Titans, the gods warring against each other to see which one is the strongest God. And Paul is saying, well, there ain't no competition because he's God all by himself. And it says to the only God. And look at this. It says our Savior. And there it's talking about God himself, God, our, God the Father, and here it calls him the Savior. How does he save? He says, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's God all by himself. And so we praise him because of that. Why else do we praise him? Another reason is because he's worthy. He's worthy of the highest praise. If you look there, it says, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Before all time and now and forever. But it's saying be glory, majesty, dominion and authority. It's not saying that we need to give God those things. It's saying we need to acknowledge that he's already got them. <laughs> he's worthy of all the glory. Does anybody know today he's worthy of all the majesty? Is there anybody that knows he's worthy of all dominion? And worthy of all authority today? He's worthy today, right now, of the highest praise, right now. There's a prayer in the Old Testament, if you put up that 1 Chronicles 29, where David is praying. It says, uh, and the rest of the men he put in charge. Oh, it's, it should be, I, I must have put the wrong verse. It's chapter 29, verse 11. Do you have that? That's all right. <laughs> praise God. No, I put the wrong one. That's all right. But he stands up and David says, glory and majesty and dominion and power and authority be unto God. He's praising him just because of who he is. Do you know today that our God should be praised because he's worthy of the highest praise? I know he's given you a lot, but not just because of what he's given. I know he's promised a lot, but not just because he's promised. He's worthy of that because of who he is. He's worthy of all the glory and all the dominion and all the authority and all the power just because of who he is. Praise him. Now, how, how should we praise him? How long? Well, what does it say there at the end? Before all time and now and forever. So wait a minute, he's worthy of praise first before all time. So how does the Bible start? Do you remember in Genesis 1? In the beginning, God, right? So he's saying even before that, 
even before in the beginning, God is worthy of praise before all time. And then he says, now and now. But what about if you had a hard 22? He's worthy now. What about if you started out with a hard 23? He's worthy now. He's worthy of praise right now with whatever it is that you're going through. Our God is worthy of praise. There's a psalm that says he's able, not he will be able or he was able back in the day, but he is able right now to do what he said he's going to do. Whatever God promised, he is going to come through with Don't give up on God, the song says, because what? He won't give up on you. He's able. He's able. Somebody needs to hear that today. Because you thought the situation that you came in with was impossible. You felt like there is no way that God is able to deliver me from the hand of whatever this thing is. But here it says he's worthy right now. And he's able with whatever is bringing tears to your eyes. With whatever is causing the anxiety in your heart. Whatever it is, he's able. But then that last part it says, in ver- back to verse 25. It says, before all time, and now, and then what? And then forever. He's going to be worthy. His reign is never going to run out. Isn't that good news? He's not going to be impeached. He's not going to resign. He's not going to retire. His reign is never going to run out. His term has no limit. Do you see that? He's going to be king forever and ever and ever. And so he's worthy of all the praise. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days, the song said, to sing God's praise than when we first begun. He's worthy today before all time. He's worthy now and he'll be worthy forever. Praise the God who's able. Listen, I don't know how you feel about doing this. I'll ask you to maybe take a risk. Can we just take a second and give God praise? Even, I know we're still in the sermon. Can we just give him praise? He's God all by himself. He's worthy of the highest praise. He's going to be worthy for all time. He's worthy. I know it's unusual for a sermon to praise him, but it's all right. What did we say? And now he's still worthy of praise. We trust in the God who's able. Oh, and we praise the God who's able. And I'm going to close with this and then we'll be done. Amen. His name is worthy. Yes. Amen.
He is worthy. About 30 years ago, 30 years ago last summer, there was an Olympic race. And in the Summer Olympics, there was a, a team from Great Britain where the anchor person, have you ever seen that race where they have four runners and they take the baton and they pass it to the next one? You can put up that first picture. The anchor person for the team from Great Britain was a guy named Derek Redmond. And uh, as the race went off and started the first one and second, third, and then the fourth one passed it to Derek. And so he's leading, right, running this race in the Olympics. But then all of a sudden, something tragic happens. He ends up tearing something in his leg, and he falls down to the track, grabbing his hamstring. Now, just imagine being in his shoes, right? You've trained all your life for this. You could see the gold medal within your sights, but now you've lost, and, and you're falling down, you're hurt. And so you know what he did? Because he had this heart of a champion, he tried to get himself up. He tried to pick himself up on a wounded leg and stagger down the track, but then he fell down again because the pain was too great and he couldn't do it himself. He couldn't keep it himself. But then all of a sudden, something strange happened. This older man comes down out of the crowd and he comes through the gate and walks right out on the track. You couldn't do that today. But he walks right out on the track and gets Derek and picks him up and puts his arm around Derek, puts Derek's arm around him, and they start to walk down the track together. And then the security guard comes on and says, hold on, mister, you can't do that. Hold on, you're not allowed to be out here. And that older man looks at him and says, oh, yes, I can, because this is my boy. And the loving father carried his wounded son all the rest of the way down the track. And look, I don't even remember who won the race. But everybody stands up and applauds because this wounded son, with the help of a loving and faithful father, made it across the finish line. Now listen, I don't know how you came into 2023. Maybe some of you felt like you're torn a spiritual tendon, not in your leg, but in your heart. And you're down on the track and you don't know if you can make it. You've tried to get yourself up. You've tried to have other people help you up, but they couldn't do it. But the good news today is we have a loving and faithful father who is able, who sees you, who loves you, who's going to come down on the track and put his arms around you and pick you up and carry you the rest of the way down the race. So your cloud of witnesses in heaven will break out in applause because in spite of the pain in spite of the victory in spite of the adversity you made it to the finish line through the father who is able to keep you how did you come today well I want to make sure that you leave knowing that you leave having a father who is able to keep you so you can trust him you can trust him to keep you in the present. You can trust him that he's going to present you in the future. And you praise this God of Abel. This God because he's able. Because he's God all by himself. And because he's worthy of the highest praise before all time. And now and forever.
Now I'm going to close now. Worship team, y'all can come back up. Now usually what I do is close in prayer, but I'm going to do something a little different before we sing these last songs. I'm going to just, if you put up those last verses, I just want to pronounce that benediction over you. Is that all right? In this first day of 2023, if you feel comfortable with this, if you would just extend your hands out. And I just want to say that over you. Listen, brothers and sisters in Christ, of one family, here in Shaw and online, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.